alive. So we have to constantly be training our system, our nervous system, especially when we're changing and when we're growing, it's safe to grow. It's safe to be happy. It's safe to, you know, receive success and love and all, all of those things. Welcome to the Find Your Voice podcast, a show where we believe in the power of the written word to create positive change in your personal life, your community, and the world. I'm your host, Allison Fallon. Whether you're an aspiring author or someone who swears they're not a real writer, we're here to show you how a regular practice of writing will help you access your intuition, make an impact, and find your voice. Join me for interviews with authors, writing prompts, and stories of how even simple words change lives. Hi there, writers. Okay, on today's episode of the Find Your Voice podcast, you're in for a real treat. Today, I interview Sasha Tazi. Sasha is a writer, healer, student, and teacher. She's a certified coach and hypnotherapist and firmly believes in hope, healing, and daily miracles for all. We're going to talk about some of those miracles on today's episode. Just like we always do, we talk about how writing plays a role in Sasha's development of her career and her as a personal practice. But even broader than that, we talk about the connection between the process and practice of writing and what Sasha does as a hypnotherapist. And if you're one of those people who's a total doubter about hypnotherapy, or you think this is a crazy thing where you pull down your pants and turn around three times, make sure you tune in because we're going to bust all those myths about hypnotherapy and show you how you can leverage the power of a tool like this in order to create massive transformation in your life. Sasha has all kinds of testimonials from clients she's worked with that she's going to share today. Not only that, we're also going to talk about this current situation that we're in, COVID-19, global pandemic, lots of feelings floating around for people. And one of the things I love that Sasha does is she walks us through a process that we can use not only to cope with what's happening during this time, but also to deeply nurture ourselves and to leverage this time as a period of evolution and healing and hope. She talks about how we can use this time for greater creativity, more resourcefulness, and to access a spirit of giving and connection that we've never experienced before. You're going to love this conversation with Sasha as much as I did, I know. So let's get started. I am here today with Sasha Tazi. Great to be with you, Sasha. It's so good to be here, Allie. Thank you. I am so excited for so many reasons to talk with you. You and I connected a while back um, through a mutual friend and a client of Find Your Voice. You reached out about potentially getting some help putting a book together. But other than that, we really haven't talked much. I started following you on Instagram at that point, and I'm fascinated by the work you do. But I think I think I want to jump in, same place we always start with this interview, which is a very open-ended question. It's just, what does it mean to you to find your voice? Hmm. That's such a good question. So for me, self-expression is one of my highest values. So to find my voice has meant to feel like I can fully express myself and on any given day and be who I am, embody who I am. That's a big answer and it's probably a broad answer, but it's just when I was young, the way that I was raised, I was very, very quiet, very quiet. Some of the teachers thought I was mute and hmm. I didn't use, I didn't speak a lot. And I had three older siblings who I let speak for me. It was just easier. And I just, by a product of the circumstances, and I think my nature too, of just being more internal, I um, just kind of like didn't have a voice for a long time. So developing my voice and finding my voice has been such a like gratifying journey for me specifically because of where I came from, you know, not having one at all and not knowing how to use it. Like I remember being so shy, you know, at, at Starbucks, for example, how you would order a drink 
and kind of shout it from the line. I just could not do that. I could not do that. And I could not say my name to people that it became this big thing that I had to learn how to just like talk to people like Hmm. social anxiety type, just like, this is my name and how are you? And like not having massive anxiety doing that. And so it's just been this like really interesting journey of I first found my voice, I think, in 12-step rooms and then online using my writing voice helped me helped me find my speaking voice in, mm. in like this synergistic way. And they just worked together to the point where I feel confident speaking or writing. I always have my moments of discomfort here and there, but like in general, I feel like I found my voice and I use it. And that's a really special thing to me. Like I, I'm probably most proud of that. One of the biggest accomplishments I think of my life so far. Hmm. Yeah. When, what you're touching on here, which I think is so important is just the profound connection between, you know, finding our voice is not just about being able to put words on the page or being able to say something out loud. It's about the full expression of ourselves in the world. And you you said this in so many words, but that the act of putting words on the page or learning to open our mouths and let words come out of our mouths is part of how we do that. It's part of how we learn to fully assert ourselves in the world and bring the fullness of who we are to, to the world around us. Yes. I want to have you talk about the work that you're doing with clients because I know you're doing you're doing incredible healing work and I'm really, really fascinated by the different modalities that you're exercising. But in order to get there, I'd like to take one step back and talk about your sobriety journey, if that's okay with you. Because um, sure. I think that I'm, I'm guessing that is, I don't know until you tell me, but I, I'm guessing that's part of how you've gotten here to do this work with other people. Yes. Yes, it is. So my sobriety journey, um, just to, at around 20 years old, I had an intervention, like a very informal intervention that didn't quite stick, but it planted a seed. It was, it was having to do with just, I was um, just kind of out of control. And I was, I dropped out of college. I was working at a restaurant. I was running in the crowd of like, restaurant industry people where you just stay up all night and Mm. sleep until you have to go to work and get cash every day at work waiting tables. (laughs) So it's just this like very fast, like alternate reality in a sense where also living in a resort town. So it was like a beach. And so it was most people that were there were on vacation. So as an, as a local, it felt like your whole life could be lived like a vacation. So anyway, that didn't stick, but it planted the seed. And so when I was about 26, I finally decided after, you know, another bunch of years of just drinking heavily, abusing cocaine, making a lot of poor decisions that felt really, really out of integrity with who I thought I was. And having some really low lows. I had already had mental health struggles, I would say. Like prior to being 20, I had mental health, pretty severe mental health struggles in high school. So the the alcohol abuse exacerbated everything and the reckless living exacerbated just everything to the point where like I was suicidal so many times and just really, really sick of the cycle and knowing that I wasn't living up to any sort of potential that I had. Hmm. And so I decided to like, I was seeing a therapist at the time. I had gone back to school. I was finishing my undergrad in psychology and I was seeing a therapist on campus and she just She'd been listening to me for weeks (laughs) and she just handed me an AA pamphlet and I committed to one meeting a week. (laughs) I wouldn't go to any more than that. I was just, I found this meeting on Friday nights that was just a speaker meeting so that I wouldn't have to speak. So I got to just hear other people's stories and I really actually liked that. And that was the start of it in 2011. So that's what got me there. And then that was really the doorway, the, the doorway, I would say to so many other things, just one by one 
being looking at my life, looking at my patterns, other addictions, addressing those, like learning how to be with people, learning about intimacy, starting my business as, and that was in 2015. So really like my sobriety was the first step of many into becoming, I guess I would say like unironically finding my voice. Yeah. Talk a little bit about the work that you do with clients because you're doing really powerful healing work with people right now. And then we can talk about how it's connected to your own healing. Sure. So I, you know, I've been a coach. Well, when I started 2015, it was like I had gone through coaching school and I started with just kind of coaching and mentoring people. And then I was expanding my skill set and I took a yoga teacher training and a a Reiki training to learn about energy Mm -hmm. healing. And then I just so passionate about modalities, different modalities of healing and really getting to the depths of people's stuff, really wanting to just go so deep. And I found hypnotherapy. It's a style called RTT, which stands for rapid transformational therapy. It was developed Mm. by Marissa Peer and it's just a style of hypnosis really that blends some techniques from different therapeutic modalities like NLP, neuro-linguistic programming, and even psychotherapy and, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy. So it's basically when I work with clients now just doing hypnosis work, we really dive into their subconscious minds, which is the place that is responsible for most of our behaviors. Even Mm -hmm. it's like that when people say things like, I know what I'm, what I'm supposed to be doing and I'm not doing it, or I know what I want, but for some reason, like I'm not doing what I'm not doing it. And I'm not like something's in the way I'm, I'm not getting there. What we do is look into the subconscious and kind of get the subconscious mind and the conscious mind on board. Cause most of us, we're operating from our subconscious, which is like our emotional body, which is where all of our memories are stored. So I'll give you an example to make this really concrete. Most of my session and my sessions with clients involve childhood memories that may or may not have been traumatic. And so the way that people are operating today usually has something to do with like scripts and stories and beliefs that were installed when when they were young. And so what we want to do is go in there and like and find out what that is. First of all, find out what what your beliefs are, what the root cause of your current problem is as it's manifesting and then rewrite and kind of reprogram that memory because not not forget about it or not pretend that it's like didn't happen, but more so when we're young and something happens, like let's say um, you're like seven years old and you get a, get a dog and then you have to give it, you have to give it away because it's, I don't know, it has to go back and you are upset obviously because you're a kid and you're, and you love the dog and it's just this like, you really do love the dog. It's something that brings you a lot of joy and you don't understand what you have to, to give the dog back. Mm-hmm. Um, let's say you're moving to across the country and your parents say you can't bring the dog. So you start crying and you're upset about the dog and your mom is like, don't cry. Like, stop crying. This is not a big deal or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's just a dog, she says, yeah. It's just a dog. Like, you'll get over it. Not a big deal. So, of course, it's like seemingly sort of benign, right? But when we look deeper, we see that like at at six years old and you're a kid and your brain isn't fully developed yet and you're just wanting this dog and you're trying to understand and she she basically shuts down your feelings. And so you and your mind are making this mean – perhaps that like, it's not okay to feel and, um, 
it, or my feelings don't matter. My or, feelings don't matter. I'm being dramatic. I'm yeah. All these beliefs can be born from that event, right? Because sure. and then we operate from those. Then we have these belief systems like I'm too much. I'm dramatic. I'm uh, always mm. crying, or I'm too sensitive, and we kind of carry them with us. And they affect the way that we operate in relationships sure. and in life today. And so that's like obviously a very um, kind of surface example, but it's some things like that, that that aren't necessarily would qualify under big trauma. Yeah. And they have big, it has a big effect on who we are now because everything is shaped by how we see ourselves. Yes, yes, yes. Which is why I think that's actually such a brilliant example, an example like that, because I could think of examples from my life that I've done a lot of trauma work around that are like capital T trauma moments. They're like, to, you know, we all, we don't all have these. I shouldn't say that. We, but, but many of us can think of moments like this from our childhood that are like, clearly, no matter who you told this to, they would understand that this is a, a traumatic moment that shouldn't have happened to a child. But far more likely is that we have these moments from our childhood that are like, I've heard therapists call it lowercase T trauma, lower T trauma. It's like these moments where the situation itself might not necessarily be all that quote unquote traumatic, but the stories we made up about it or the belief system we formed around it are dictating how we live and how we move through the world. And, and over time, it really is growing into this massive trauma or a massive um, block that's keeping Mm -hmm. us from where we're wanting to go or keeping us from acting in a way that's serving us or the the kind of work that you're talking about. One of the reasons I love hypnotherapy so much, and I want to have you talk about like what it looks like to actually do hypnotherapy because I think there's a lot of misconception around it. But one of the reasons why I love it so much is because the writing practice, as we talk about writing as a way to to cultivate personal growth in your life, writing is a personal practice. That practice, when we teach that to clients, draws from a lot of the basics of hypnotherapy and from cognitive behavioral therapy. And so if you know that process, if you're doing it well, if if as a coach and a teacher, if I'm doing it well, I'm drawing from those same principles that you're teaching when you're doing hypnotherapy with a client, getting you to remember stories like the having to give the dog back that that probably aren't living in your conscious memory. You're not thinking about it on a day-to-day basis. And then getting you to draw the conclusions that you drew as a six-year-old or a seven-year-old about those things so that you can understand the belief systems that are driving your life. That's the process of writing for personal growth. So um, yeah, I would love to hear you talk about what what it looks like when you're in a session with a client doing hypnotherapy. Because again, I think there are so many misconceptions around this and people think like, you know, oh, I'm going to like drop my pants and turn in circles sometimes <laughs> or like, you know, I, I completely like go, go out of my mind for an hour or whatever during a session. And that's not at all how it is. So tell us what that looks I like. I know. So I've had a myth bust a lot of myths and there is this, there, there are just all these misconceptions. So basically it is such a what I like to tell people is that you're being hypnotized every day, every day since you were born, you're being mm. like sublimin- subliminally primed and influenced. And so that's pretty much what it is, but just a deeper level of it when we're in session. So all the sessions are on Zoom and what I have people do, it's a two hour commitment, like container that I ask them to kind of like with recording a podcast, go into a private space where, you know, sure. quiet and just undisturbed. And yeah. it's, I help them relax. I ask a few questions at the beginning and then I induce them into hypnosis, which is a similar process to just like a guided meditation. And mm-hmm. then I test their suggestibility. And then we get right into the traveling back to the memories and like letting their mind go there once they're, once they're at ease and super relaxed and super receptive. And there are, I have, I have clients that can run a little bit high on the anxiety spectrum. So they're a little bit harder to, they don't let go as easily. And so sometimes it takes a little bit of coaxing and, and, 
luckily I've learned how to work with, you know, more challenging cases and still, still get them to help them achieve some sort of breakthrough. It doesn't look the same for everybody, but we, we go into the memories and really they become the child or they become the age that they're at. And we go through everything and I'm kind of guiding them and, and asking questions and leading the way. And then the transformation happens when we like integrate those memories and who they want to be today and then Mm. merge sort of the inner child. Like a lot of people don't even have a concept of their inner child before. Sure. So it's like meeting, like it's like very healing to go back in time and, and be the little girl or little boy who didn't get their needs met and, and needs to be witnessed in that and needs to let a lot of release happen. So there's a lot of release and clearing and usually crying, but not everyone cries and it doesn't mean anything if they don't. And their eyes are shut the whole time. They're under hypnosis the whole time. And we end this session with, I record for them the new programs and that's what they listen to after the session for a number of weeks to reinforce their brain and do do that brain patterning on a daily basis so that yeah it's so easy to revert back after like I think we've most of us have had the experience of a really great healing session and then we feel so good on cloud nine for five days and then we kind of like you know revert back and so the point of the recording is to prevent that from happening as much as possible and continue to get your brain and your subconscious on board. Yeah. I mean, I actually think one of the things that sometimes happens when we do healing work is we make a a couple of really good positive steps forward and feeling that good feels so unnatural to us. Mm -hmm. If we're used to being, if you, especially if you have a big trauma in your past and, and you're body is programmed to be the victim or to be mistreated or to be or to feel like crap about yourself all the time. And then suddenly you're waking up and you're feeling great about yourself. I I even think sometimes what we do is self-sabotage because somehow subconsciously we think like, this is weird. This is unusual. I've never felt this good before. I need to go, um, you know, like have seven drinks or (laughs) go like eat a bunch of of tortilla chips until I'm sick or like, do you know what I mean? Something to just kind of feel this, the way that we're used to feeling, which is bad about ourselves. And I love that idea of giving somebody a tool that they can keep revisiting and keep um, going back to just to remind them of the work that they've done and to kind of learn how to stand in that new space that they've created for themselves. Another thing I loved that you said and I think this is pure gold and I want to linger on it for a minute is that we're being hypnotized every single day. Mm-hmm. And if we think of hypnosis, you can speak to this probably with a, a little more authority than I can. But if we think of hi- hypnosis as being subtly influenced in our subconscious brains, our unconscious brains, th- then we're bombarded with at least 3000 advertising messages. That's the last statistic I heard. And I think it has to be higher than that by now, but 3000 advertising messages every single day coming from industries and out of companies who want you to feel defective and deficient so that you'll purchase their product. And I don't think Mm -hmm. all businesses are bad. They're all trying to take advantage of us to sell us their products. But I do think that we have an incredible amount of influence coming at us every day that we don't realize is coming at us and it is influencing us whether we know it or not. So to be able to take the position of empowerment that you're offering your clients by saying, I know I'm being influenced every day and I'm going to start to be the one to make decisions about who and what gets to influence me and what doesn't get to influence me is like giving people back the reins of their life. It's it's putting people back in the driver's seat of their life. Yes. That's so well said. And that's exactly it. It's like, we don't know that we don't have to follow the norms because of all Mm. the messaging. So to be able to, you know, let people know that actually you can choose, you can consciously choose what, what you're letting in and the, the whole process of like 
what, when I work with people is like, this isn't scary. What's scary is not doing it because you're being hypnotized either way. So you might as well like, you know, consciously choose what you want, what you want to believe and what you want to see and how you want to move through the world and, and really get in touch with your, your own power and agency so that you, you can live how you, how you want to live and, um, do the things that you want to do as opposed to feeling like a sleeping through life or feeling like a victim of circumstance or like just like you can't do anything about your situation. Like there's, that's, that's like one of the saddest things for me because there's always, there's always, I think something that you can change like about either how you're, what your perception of the situation is or something that you can do to have some semblance of control in your life if you feel unmanageable. Yeah. One of the things that we talk about with the writing process is, uh, you know, this is, this is built from the cognitive behavioral model and what all the research shows really, uh, allows the power of the written word to create transform- transformation in our own personal lives. So it's it's pulled from all of this stuff that you're talking about. But we have people write down the facts of the situation first and then their their thoughts about the situation. So the story that they're making up or the framing that they're giving it, the kind of like, so what, this is why I'm telling you this, is the, their thoughts about the situation. And then also their feelings about the situation. And what people begin to realize is that the facts of the situation, the way that you would report about a circumstance from your life as if you were a journalist, are usually unchangeable. They're usually the things that they can't be refuted. We can't change them. This happened. I had to give my dog back when I was six years old. I cried about it. My mom told me to shut up and stop crying. Like These are the facts of the situation. But this, the thoughts about the situation, the story we make up, the framing that we give to it, where we're pointing our attention, the why that we're telling ourselves – we have tremendous control over that. And miraculously, except for not so miraculously, because it's based in science too, is that when we change the story we tell ourselves about a situation, inevitably our feelings about it also change. Mm-hmm. And we have so much influence over how we feel about a thing, how we tell the story to ourselves over and over again. And, and I think that's the key that gets us out of the prison that so many of us live in, where you know we feel like we are on a life on repeat, like I'm living, I'm reliving and replaying the same situation over and over and over again. Like I'm here I am again in a relationship with a person who's a narcissist. I heard you talking about that on your, on your Instagram too. Or here I am again in a situation where I'm being fired unfairly from a job or like, why does this always happen to me? I'll hear people say that a lot. And I think when we start to do exactly the type of work you're talking about doing, we begin to answer our own question for ourselves, and we realize the reason why this always happens to us. And we also realize how much control we have to get out. I wanted to, oh, I know what I wanted to ask you. I'm guessing that some people are listening who are still feeling sort of skeptical of all of this. And for that reason, and for so many other reasons, I would love to have you tell us about some of the success stories you've witnessed, because I know you've seen people create dramatic, radical transformation in their personal lives through this work. So maybe share a few stories with us that come to mind right away of of clients who have really broken free. Yeah. So I had one client who's coming to mind immediately and she stopped cracking her knuckles after we did a session on it after, you know, 30 years of cracking her knuckles. And she, the thing is about it is that she was, it was really disrupting her life. Like it was Mm. causing her anxiety. It was causing pain in her hands. It was causing arguments with her and her husband. And really what it was about was like kind of just a tension relief, stress release. So it's not even necessarily about the cracking, the knuckle cracking, but what it was causing and what was underneath it, which we healed and gave and came up with new strategies to manage that. And she was just in disbelief because she she actually didn't believe that it was going to work. And she was kind of like, wow, she told me that. And she was like, she was kind of like, I mean, we'll see. But I really I don't I'm, I'm so skeptical. I don't think this is going to work. And I've heard there's a idea that you have to believe 
it in order for it to work for like anything. And so I think that the reason why I'm saying that is because you can be skeptical and have your doubts and it, it, it can still work. That was a really cool one because she was in, she was just in shock. And then I had another one who I worked with on quitting alcohol and she was struggling pretty hard, like back and forth with, with just not being able to string enough consistent time together. She would just always go back to it. And then Mm. after we did work on it with hypnosis, she, she stopped and she didn't have cravings and she was just like, God, I wish I, I did this so long ago so that I would have all this sober time. But of course, thankful that she found it when she did. And I just had a client last week who she's really struggling with just like not feeling good enough and not feeling worthy. And it's a pretty common, common thing like that. I'm not enough story. I'm not good enough, smart enough, funny Mm -hmm. enough, pretty enough, successful enough, whatever the case is, fill in the blank. And it was showing up in ways like staying, staying in toxic relationships and Mm. not being able to like speak her voice in, in business conversations. And in the last week, she says she just feels like so light and like confident where it's not even, she doesn't think about whether or not she's enough. It's just like a knowing in her body of kind of like moving on to the next thing. Like this is not, this is like a non-issue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That I want to pause on that for just a quick second, because I think one of the things that happens to us when we're trying to create positive transformation in our lives, I hear this a lot from clients that we work with in the writing for personal growth setting, but people will say like, I keep going back to this same thing over and over again, whether it's alcohol or an abusive relationship or just a bad habit, like cracking your knuckles. And they, they start to feel this sense of like, I'm not strong enough to break this habit, or I'm not very disciplined, or they, they come up with this whole story that they tell themselves. And, and what's really happening, you're touching on this, what's really happening is you're trying to change a habit with a part of your brain that has nothing to do with the habit. So you're trying to like white knuckle or muscle your way out of this bad habit when the habit is actually coming from an automated, a part of your brain, your limbic system that is, that has, it has the behavior on automatic. So it would be like you set an alarm clock on your iPhone to go off every morning at 6am and then you're, you're kicking yourself and you hate yourself because you can't get your phone to stop making this noise at 6am. It's like the phone is set to make the noise at 6am. It's going to keep doing it until you change the setting. And what you're helping people do is go into the part of their brain where the setting is set and then rewire the setting or reset it so that then they're not seeing the behavior anymore. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) You describe it better than I do. And it's, it's changing your default settings. And you touched on it earlier with, we're going to repeat what's normal and what's familiar to us. So if we've had a lot of trauma, if we've had a lot of negative experiences, joy and happiness can feel really uncomfortable and really unfamiliar and really unsafe. So the whole point in, in rewiring is to make the unfamiliar familiar and, and kind of create new normals and new pathways in your body so that, because I believe any self-sabotage is self-protection. So in other words, like going back to eating, eating the ice cream or drinking the drinks, it's like you want to protect and get back to that place of safety because that's what you know. And that's what our brain is designed to do also primarily like stay safe, stay alive. So we have to constantly be training our system, our nervous system, especially when we're changing and when we're growing, it's safe to grow. It's safe to be Mm. happy. It's safe to, you know, receive success and love and all, all of those things. So I just wanted to share that before I forgot, because I thought of it when we were talking about that a couple minutes ago. 
That's so important. I don't want to miss that. Self-sabotage is self-protection. I have never heard it put that way. And that's going to really help me. It's such a compassionate way to think about self-sabotage. It's it's yeah. such a gentle way to think about it. Exactly. That's so it's like your brain's just trying to do – your brain's just doing its job. It's just trying to protect you. And when it knows that you don't need protection, like I tell people – this habit, this pattern, this thing that you hate about yourself, it wouldn't be there unless it, it was serving a purpose and playing a role. And what is that role? What is that purpose? Let's look there instead of like hating ourselves for having it. Yeah, that's really beautiful. That's I'm writing that down because that's going to stick with me for a while. The habit wouldn't be there unless it was serving a purpose. I went deep into your Instagram archives as I was prepping for this interview and you did, you. Just, I'm, I'm saying this because I'm feeling like maybe someone listening might want to go back and listen to some of your old stories that are highlighted and that are archived in your highlights to listen to what you have to say. You sit, you talk about this in the context of going back to abusive relationships or back into relationships with a narcissist and just really getting yourself to think about, I resonated with that obviously because my story, which is very public is that I was in an abusive marriage and went through a divorce and came out of this re- very manipulative relationship. So I really resonated with it, but, but, uh, you talk about digging below the surface to figure out like, how is it serving me to have this relationship in my life? And when I heard you say that, it just really, it clicked for me. I mean, I feel like it is, that was the most challenging question for me to answer as I was going through the divorce, super, super painful. And it was also my key to freedom. Once I realized I had picked this. I did this. Nobody forced me. I, I mean, I think there are some circumstances where women are truly like uh, victims where they're, you know, th- like um, there's there's probably a dividing line that I don't know that I can fully explain. But for me, I had this wave of realization that I did this. I picked it. I walked down the aisle. I said yes. And there has to be a reason for that. And figuring out the answer to that question was so challenging and so helpful for me at the same time. So maybe someone else needs to go dig through and listen to those videos that you recorded too, because they're great. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up because it's a huge question and that you spoke to the pain of it and the freedom of it, because that's that's it, it, it is both. It is so, so confronting to turn the light back on ourselves, but that's that's where we get our power back. So true. I want to shift gears a tiny bit um, or really just add something to this conversation we're already having because we're living through this unprecedented time as we speak, as you and I speak, and people may be listening to this months from now, but, but whenever you're listening to it right at this moment, we're living through this very unprecedented time where our world has been flipped on its head. We're living through a global pandemic. People have been um, isolated to their homes in quarantine. Again, totally unprecedented unprecedented period of time with lots of emotions and fears and all kinds of primal stuff tied to this. And I would love for you to talk about some ways that people can cope with, not just cope, but yes, first step is like cope with current situation. Then also how can we nourish ourselves through it so that it becomes more uh, like bearable and even enjoyable for us? And then also how can we leverage this opportunity to evolve and grow? Mm. Oh, that's so good. Okay. So what was, what was the very first part? So just thinking about living through this time, how can we cope? How can we nurture ourselves? And then how can we evolve yeah. and grow? I just made a couple notes. So I think what's happening right now is there is completely unprecedented. We're living in history and um, there's a lot out there for what you should be doing. Um, A a lot of hypnosis out there for Mm. um, all the different opinions about like what you need, what you should be doing, what's actually happening. And I, I don't see coping with what's going on. I don't see to be any different from taking really good care of yourself on a regular basis, like outside of this. So by mm. that, I mean, whatever, whatever people do to like 
take care of themselves. Maybe they, maybe you have to adjust it and tweak it a little. I know I have, like all of our routines have gotten shaken up, but self care or, or, and that looks like on the most basic level, like doing what you need to do to get sleep and food and like healthy food and drinking enough water and moving your body every day. Those are still going to be relevant if not more relevant now. And I see a lot of people like skimping on them because there's this feeling of massive, you know, unrest, which I understand, but it's like sometimes our routines and the things that keep us stable and feeling well are the first things to go. And my suggestion is like, come back to it, come, come back Mm -hmm. to yourself and your things that keep you grounded. For me, it's, I just stepped it up and just making sure that I get more sleep than if I'm tired, like no guilt about sleeping longer. If I need to, you know, taking one day off a week offline, I've had boundaries around news and around people sending me stuff and talking to me about it. Like if I've had enough, I've had enough and that's my line. And I don't, and I let people know that in no uncertain terms. And so that's in very kind way too, but just like making sure that like, I think there's a tendency to just do what the, what the masses are doing. And if most people are freaking out, are you going to just join in or are you going to decide like that you, that you're still going to make an effort every day to, to do what you can and to control the things you can control, which is like mm-hmm. making sure that you feed yourself and you nourish yourself in the ways that you know how to do. And um, because it's so stressful for people, I think that a lot of people's trauma, it is triggering for trauma, especially unhealed trauma. Yeah. And people are going into their trauma responses. So I I want to say that that is also totally okay. And that the I speak about self-compassion a lot. And I want to, if that's like one thing that a listener remembers, it's, I would want it to be that because if you can be gentle with yourself, wherever you are in the process, if you're going back to old coping tools, if you're like, you know, regressing in ways that you thought or things that you thought you got over and it's kind of coming up, or if you're not coping exceptionally well, like have grace with yourself. And that is the hardest thing to do for people that are used to beating themselves up. But again, mm-hmm. you can create new norms also by consciously choosing them in, in daily life. So you can decide when you notice your thoughts in your head are really negative or like bullying against yourself, you just can change it, like, like shift it up and reframe those thoughts. Kind of like what you were saying before with the writing process, you can write them down. You can then turn them around and decide that you're going to believe that you're doing the best that you can Mm -hmm. instead of like, why don't you try harder? Like what's wrong with you? Anything that comes off judgmental or shaming, just shifting that into where can I be kinder to myself right now? And like, what do I need right now? And giving that to yourself. That that feels like such an important, I just want to add one thing to that, because I think sometimes what can happen in the name of positivity or positive thinking about a situation, there's a lot of that floating around from the spiritual community online right now. And some of it's really helpful, but I think sometimes what can happen is that we get in a place where we're like, what's wrong with me? I have everything I need. All my needs are provided for. I I don't even have it that bad. I haven't lost my job. I just had to take a pay cut. Whether you are personally living through a nightmare or whether it's just sort of vaguely inconvenient, it's really challenging for all of us. So Mm -hmm. to just give it permission to be, it's heavy. It's hard. I'm having, I'm grieving. I'm sad. I'm, this isn't what I expected. It's not what I wanted. It's not what I planned for this month. 
Um, I was supposed to be with my friends or I was supposed to be with my family or I was supposed to be on this work trip I was really looking forward to. And here I am. I'm sitting at home again watching more Netflix or whatever. Um, But just having a lot of grace like you're talking about, I think is so vital. And the permission, you get to have your feelings and and I, I, you get to validate and give yourself permission for feeling the way that you feel no matter, like without comparing, because being like, oh, at least it's not that person's situation is not actually helpful. Mm-hmm. We, if we are feeling grief or sadness or pain at the lost opportunities, at anything that we're going through that's relative to us it's still real. It's still valid. Like just like the little, little T trauma and the big T trauma. Like if it's, if it's painful to you, it's, it's painful to you. Yeah. Yeah. So important. So the, just the final thought on this point, I'd love to hear you talk about how we can use a time like right now, you know, you and I were talking really briefly before I hit record here about how our world is evolving right now. And Mm -hmm. I really believe that's true, that despite the fact that there's no getting around that this situation is not good. I don't want to try to paint uh, paint it like it's great. You know, we're like losing the lives of thousands of people around the world and, um, and economic, you know, the economic impact is undeniably bad. However, I do think that there's going to be a lot of uh, growth that comes out of this time. And I'd love to hear you talk about how personally as an individual, how you or I or anyone listening could use this time as a, as an opportunity to grow and evolve? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's something that I've focused on definitely a little bit in, in my content, because I think it's kind of how I tend to see things like, especially coming through the journey of recovery and sobriety and all of, all of the pain. It's like, I turned into, there's a great quote, I'm sure you've heard by JK Rowling, the rock bottoms, the the solid foundation upon which I Mm. rebuilt my life. Mm -hmm. And I really have internalized that quote for years now, just knowing that every painful, painful thing that looks like destruction, that looks like just demise is a chance for me to recreate and rebirth and have a new beginning and have a fresh slate. And so I truly believe, I believe that in my heart that that's what's happening. Uh, and I'm not denying the, the um, suffering at all, but just that since it is happening and we have to like accept that it's happening, we all get to decide to, spend this time and use this opportunity to get really clear on like the stillness and the forced forced solitude or maybe not solitude but kind of forced stillness and just the less busyness and the less activities and the less traveling or no traveling it's like forcing us to just look within and it's kind of a really interesting like I've seen such a range of people like taking this this event as kind of a launch pad. And then I've seen people like completely breaking down from it and everything in between. I think this is like a journey. And I think that we can all just use it as time to go within, as time to like reassess our priorities and move anything around that needs to be moved around, really see what like just let go of anything that's not working or seeing with all of the changes, like what we didn't actually need that we thought we needed Mm. before. I've, I've definitely um, had some conversations around that with people just, yeah, I don't need to like go out as much as I do or belong to this place or having time to get on the phone with old friends. If some people, I know some people have less time and some people have more time, but the people that do have more time, like connecting to things that you forgot about, like what a, what a gift that we can like reawaken just our creativity and our resourcefulness and our 
spirit of service and giving to people that are, you know, not faring well at all in this. And just all of those things that I feel, maybe it's strange to say, but because everyone in the world is, you know, experiencing this pandemic and of course, to varying degrees are the um, effects for each person, but it, it brings me a lot of comfort that we're all connected in this way. Mm, like it does. that we all like there's, I can't be like, you don't understand how it feels. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, everyone is feeling like yeah. some version of what you're feeling. So it's to, to me, that's just like insanely comforting. And it, it kind of bonds mm. us in a way that I think moving forward is going to be, and creating this new earth is, I think connection is going to be one of the biggest, the biggest things is just like true connection. Some, I know it's all virtual right now, but carrying that over and making the time and the room in your life for things and people that really, really matter to you. And I think so many people it's been put into perspective. So that feels like evolution. That feels like really big growth to have this time and this like massive reset and reboot to step into the next, I guess, world, like the new world and be creating that from who we want to be. And so a lot of people are waking up right now and I know that it's so painful and I also know that it's necessary. So it kind of fills me with this like warrior, like this, I feel, yeah. like, I'm in, I feel like I'm in war, in spiritual war. <laughs> well, I mean, in a, in a sense you are because you're, you're a spirit, you're a guide and you're a healer. And so during a time like this, you're, um, and you've walked this path. I mean, your path of sobriety is your first, your first pass through this of, learning exactly the process you're talking about, learning to accept that which you cannot change, to accept the fact that you are not all powerful, that you are not in total control of your life and your circumstances, and then to sort of like live breath by breath and moment by moment and day by day. Like that process has prepared you to be a leader in this process. And so um, I think in a, in a sense you are at um, – I don't know. I mean, war analogies are always so com- complicated, but <laughs> but you're leading the charge. You know what I mean? You're leading the charge and you're helping other people who are walking through the same sort of painful process of waking up to the reality of their life, which I really connect to that through the um, thinking about the process of my divorce, where you're waking up and realizing like, oh my God, things have been so terrible for so long. And how did I not know this? <laughs> yeah. Coming out of denial, like the veil yeah. is being lifted. Yeah. So anyway, we're, I'm just grateful for you and for your voice in the world and the way that you're supporting so many other people as they're experiencing this for the first time. Thank you so much. I'm really grateful for you. And I didn't realize how many parallels we had. So I just love this conversation and, um, I love what you do with writing and I think it's so important. And so thank you. And my dog is being really rowdy right now. Your dog is agreeing with us, first of all. And second of all, that we can talk offline about this, but I would love to help you get your thoughts and ideas into a book and out into the world. So thank you so much, Sasha, for being here with us today. Thank you so much. It was a blast. Thanks for listening to the Find Your Voice podcast. We hope this inspires you to pick up a pen and start finding the words that will change your life, your community, and your world. If you liked what you heard today, share with a friend, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And if you haven't already, check out our website, findyourvoice.com. Subscribe to our Monday Motivation for free and get inspiring writing prompts in your inbox each week. Until next time, happy writing.